Hey everyone, I'm Cody, and you are listening to a public church podcast. I hope you enjoy the talk today, and thanks for listening. Thank you, Public Worship, for that song that really sets the tone for where we're going today. And I am really excited because today is the start of our collective 21-day fast. Now, if you missed last week or if this is your first week here, we want to invite you to join us on this journey. Now, I know mentioning a 21-day collective fast raises some questions. First of all, might be, um, are we all fasting the same thing? No, we are fasting as the Holy Spirit leads us. But maybe even more elementary than that is, what is fasting? So just to review, we're trying to keep it really simple. Fasting is abstaining and replacing. Fasting means that we're abstaining from something that we usually do, that we enjoy, and that takes up time in order to replace that activity with a tangible pursuit of Jesus. So for example, some of you guys may be thinking, okay, I'm going to fast social media, which kind of helps with another question. Fasting is not just food. It's more than that. So you say, okay, I'm going to fast social media. Well, don't forget the replacement Element. In fact, this week I've had some great conversations with people about fasting in community group and just also with other friends. And one person was very authentic and said, in the past when I fasted social media, I've just ended up watching Netflix more. It's like, man, I love that authenticity. And it's because sometimes we abstain, but we don't strategically replace. So perhaps for you, it is social media. And you're saying, okay, so when I'm tempted to scroll, when I'm tempted to pick up my phone, what I'm going to do is I'm going to automatically go to the YouVersion Bible app and go to a Bible plan that I've already picked out. If you're trying to pick one out, would highly recommend that you start this year reading through one of the Gospels, one of the four eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Or perhaps your strategy says, okay, when I'm tempted to pick up Twitter or pick up um, Facebook, that instead I'm going to immediately go to Notion or Evernote or however I keep track of things, and I'm going to have a list of people and situations that I am praying for. And so when I'm tempted to scroll, instead I have a strategy for replacing that time, and it's already in place. So I am really excited about this journey that we're going to go on And I hope that by the end of this talk, you're not filled with dread, like, oh, I'm going to feel guilty if I don't do this, but you're also filled with anticipation. You know, today is actually our seventh anniversary of our first official gathering as a church. Come on! That's incredible! Last week was technically our birthday as we had a soft launch, and that was really when we got started in 2014. But here we are, seventh anniversary, and one of the things I love about today is that we're doing something new. We're refining. We've never done a collective fast before. And I pray that at our 21st anniversary, at our 28th anniversary, that we're still refining and we're still doing new things. So what we're doing is really laying a foundation for this new practice of a collective fast. And to help do that, we're going to reach back into our heritage for what um, we call infacts. Now, these were created by the legendary Tom Bowler, one of our elders and uh, avid pickleball player, uh, also great at ping pong and many other skills. But Tom, in meetings, he would often say, hey, I have some infacts which are not frequently asked questions. 
They're questions that nobody's voicing, but that most people are actually thinking. So, thought we'd start with some in facts about fasting. First of which is, do I have to be an elite Jesus follower to fast? The answer, of course, is yes. If you've not memorized the book of Leviticus, go do something else. Like, what are you doing? No, 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 not at all. I'm kidding, okay, before everybody tunes off. Here's the thing. There's a misnomer that you have to be some kind of elite Jesus follower to fast. But Jesus in Matthew 6, we looked at it last week, he assumes that all of his followers will fast. So every single one of us who claims to follow Jesus should make fasting a part of our everyday or a regular part of our rhythms. So fasting, is it just for the elite? No, we've kind of already covered this. Is fasting just about food? No, it is bigger than food. It's abstaining from something we enjoy that takes up time and replacing it with the tangible pursuit of Jesus. But here's another in fact. What if I break my fast? Should I just quit and forget the other 18 days because I broke it on day three? The answer is resounding no. If you get off the train, hop back on the train. And here's the reality. Let's say that we start out aiming for 21 days of fasting, but you fast 10. Is 10 days of fasting not better than zero? So we're going for progress, not perfection. The final, in fact, is this. Who should I tell or should I even tell anybody? And so that we'd say, tell someone, not everyone. Tell someone because we need accountability. This is going to be hard at times. We've never done this before. So we need that accountability. Also, I was reading an article about practical tips for fasting. And it said, look, if you're fasting lunch and you have a regular lunch meeting with friends on Thursday, don't just ghost them. Tell them what you're doing because they're probably part of your community. I mean, you regularly eat with them and they can support you on this journey. So we need to communicate with our community. We need to tell someone, but not everyone. What I mean by that is when you skip your Thursday lunch, don't go sit in a room at your house and post a picture with this plate going, this is my lunch today. I'm fasting. No, we're not going to do that. Matthew 6, making sure that's offside. Yes. Matthew 6, Jesus clearly says we're not fasting for the approval of others. We're fasting to focus on God. So hopefully those end facts help, but a sense that some of you are feeling a certain level of pushback. And we can't cover all of the levels and areas of pushback that you're feeling, but we can cover this one. Perhaps you're thinking, hold on. So you're saying that following a year where I had to involuntarily give up so much, like so many things were stripped from me in 2020, that should start the next year by voluntarily giving up something? Are you crazy? Maybe, that's another topic. But it's actually not me asking. It's the Holy Spirit asking us to fast through His Word. This isn't something that I or public church has made up. This is an ancient, often overlooked, and even neglected practice that has roots that are literally thousands of years old within the movement of people who have followed God. So what we want to do today is we want to dig into those roots. We want to take a trip 
back into our history and dig into the Old Testament, the first portion of the Bible, to look at some leaders, some forerunners of our faith, and to see that they fasted and see a little bit about how they fasted. So I hope that today that you gain the sense that this is bigger than us, that we are part of a rich history and tradition that extends back thousands of years. And this ancient practice that was so relevant, so powerful thousands of years ago is both relevant and powerful right here, right now in your life and in my life in 2021. So we're going to start in Joel if you want to go there in your Bible or Bible app. But I do want to speak directly to our friends who don't follow Jesus. I hope that you get a chance to see that we're inviting you into a rich lineage called the Jesus Movement. That's not some new thing that's just a couple hundred years old, but man, it has roots back to the beginning of time. And we're going to continue to answer this question. Why should we fast? And as we answer that question, I really hope And I believe that you will be compelled by that answer to consider fasting no matter what you believe. So what I did in preparation for these two talks is I just tried to dig in and see all the references to fasting in Scripture. And today we want to look at the Old Testament and the way my brain works, and maybe your brain doesn't work this way, but try to categorize the references. I came up with four categories. You may break it down differently. That's completely okay. But the first category was miscellaneous. Duh. There's like, you know, these random times that people are fasting that don't fit neatly into any categories. But the other three were lamenting, repenting, and begging God to intervene. And we're going to look at those, but we're going to see that lamenting repenting and begging God to intervene were were things that some of the forerunners of our faith did while fasting. These are practices that they incorporated into fasting. So just seeing those three things and thinking about the question, why should we fast? I want to give you the big idea up front. Here's why we should fast according to our rich tradition. Fasting ups the intensity. We aren't just sad we're lamenting. We aren't just sorry, we're repenting. We aren't just asking for help, we're begging God to intervene. Do you feel the intensity there? And this is where I think all of us, no matter what we believe, can get on the same page about the fact that there are benefits to upping the intensity. A couple of years ago, my friend Jason Cox, and you're probably listening to this on a run, Jason, but Jason texted me and said, hey, do you want to go for a run? And We don't run together enough, but Jason was really the person that got me into long-distance running. He led me to run my first marathon. We ran our first marathons together, so we love to run when we can, and said, sure, and then he said, we're going to run for a while, and I was, a while? Just don't worry about it. Just carve out some time. I was a little scared at this point, but I mean, Jason was my student pastor growing up. He got me into this thing. Surely I can trust Jason, right? So I show up to run, and he says, hey, when's the last time you ran 10 miles? Like, uh, Jason, it's been a few years. I'm still running, but I'm not running distance right now. Let's go. What? You, you, you want to run 10 miles today? Yeah, let's give it a try. Let's see if we can do it. I'm here. Like, what do you do at this point? He suckered me in. Good job, Jason. So we took off. 
I don't think we actually made it 10 miles, but here's what happened. My regular routine of running and working out, the intensity was up greatly. And here's the thing, I still remember that ride. There's a whole lot of other shorter, less intense runs that I've completely forgotten, but I still remember that one. And there was so much joy and satisfaction and soreness that came from that experience where Jason challenged me, hey, let's up the intensity. Think about it on a relational level. You know, it's one thing to hang out with your friend and you've got your phone there and maybe you're talking and you're distracted. But have you ever, and maybe if you haven't, you should consider when a great friend comes over, you both just put your phones at the door and you walk in and you say, hey, device free, no TVs, no phones even in the room. Let's you and I connect. When you up the intensity of connection, do you not experience a deepness, a richness, in the soul level and authentic conversations they're able to have. This is why it's so beneficial for married couples with kids to try to get away sometimes, whether it's for a night or whether it's for a weekend without the kids to have great people to care for your kids where you can get away and just focus on each other because when we up the intensity, when we put in some more effort and some more focus, the result is a richness and a deepness to the relationship and the same thing happens to us with Jesus when we fast. Fasting ups the intensity. And the result is a, a deepness, a richness to our relationship with Jesus. Or if you don't follow Jesus, a deepness, a richness to your exploration of Jesus as you consider Him. And that's what happened in the Old Testament as people lamented. Let's look at Joel chapter 2. Joel 2, chapter 2, verse 12 says, This is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is still time. Give me your hearts. That's deep. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. Here we see fasting is paired with weeping and mourning. Fasting is essentially paired with Lamenting. Now, as I mentioned lamenting, you may be thinking, what is it? Which is exactly what I would have said several months ago. I've been on a journey of trying to learn what it is. And Latasha Morrison, she says this. She says, to lament means to express sorrow or regret. And then she speaks specifically to the purpose of lament. She says, it allows us to connect with and grieve the reality of our sin and suffering. Do you feel the deepness there? It draws us to repentant connection with God in that suffering because lamenting seeks God as comforter, healer, restorer, and redeemer. Somehow the act of lament reconnects us with God and leads us to hope and redemption. When we take time to lament, here's a working definition that I've come up with that's helping me, to sit in the pain rather than just moving through the pain. When we take time, to lament with fasting, there's a richness, a deepness to our relationship with God. Because the Holy Spirit takes us to places that, honestly, we often don't like to go. See, it's easy for us to do outward things. In Joel chapter 2, it would be easy for them to tear their clothing and put on sackcloth and ashes. But Joel is a prophet, and he's saying God's not interested in what you're doing out here. God's interested in what's going on in here. Don't tear your clothing. He says, tear your hearts. 
instead. It would be so easy for us after a year like 2020 to just move on. Perhaps we have some things we need to lament from. Perhaps it's the fact that it's the deadliest year in U.S. history. Perhaps you've lost a loved one. You've lost a job. You've lost a friend. I think a whole lot of us have lost things. But let's just face facts. We're never getting back. And it'd be so easy for us just to move on. Oh, just, oh, I'm not going to worry about it. Just kind of keep going. That's what I tend to do. But through fasting, we're invited to feel that emotions, to invite the Holy Spirit to touch us, to speak to us, to encounter us at a soul level as we tear our hearts and lament, as we sit in the pain, and as Jesus meets us there. So will we take the time to lament? And if you still don't know exactly what it is, I've been on a journey of learning. Here's just a little bit of what I've done. I read through Jeremiah and Lamentations. Yes, there's an entire book of the Bible on lamenting. And then I've also just been reading through the prophets. I've let some voices like Latasha Morrison, Dr. Um, Soong Rong Cha, um, Jamar Tisby uh, really speak into that as they have studied lamenting. Because I've gone on this journey and really tried to learn what it means to lament. You know what's happened? There's a richness to my relationship with Jesus. There's a deepness that I've been discovering. And honestly, as I've been reading through prophets, a lot of it revolves around the character of God. Look with me at the rest of verse 13. In the midst of God pouring out his wrath, like judgment is coming in Joel. Here's the character of God. Return to the Lord your God, for he's merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. I read that at a much deeper and richer level because I know the context of lamenting, the context of the wrath and the judgment that's happening. So will we take time this year to not just move past things, but to say, I'm not just sad, I'm lamenting as I fast. And then I'm not just sorry, I'm repenting. In Daniel chapter nine, Daniel's a phenomenal leader. And we mentioned him last week. In Daniel chapter 9, he is broken hearted. But what Daniel does is he's not just sad. He actually takes time. Starting in verse 2, it says, During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet. Pause. The word has to be part of our fasting. As we tangibly pursue Jesus, that means we're going to literally get in the Word. And you know what the Word's going to cause us to do? To not just be sorry, but to repent. That means to literally turn and go a new way. And that's what Daniel's doing here. He's not just going, oh, I'm sorry, I feel bad. No, it says that um, he learned that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed. Just a little sample, verse 5. We have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. Lord, you are right in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us. Daniel doesn't hide any punches. He doesn't try to get through it quickly. Man, he repents. What if 
During these next 21 days, we don't just feel bad for sinning. We don't just feel sorry for sinning. But we actually take time to look at our patterns and our triggers, to speak with community and invite accountability in, and to learn what it truly means to not just say, I'm sorry, but to turn and walk in a new direction and repent. Something that's been bothering me about my two boys, trade I've noticed in them. <laughs> They're very young. We have this rhythm of how we discipline them. And part of it is they have to say, I'm sorry. And then I love them because, you know, discipline doesn't break the relationship. It should build the relationship. What I've noticed in them is that they'll say, I'm sorry. And then they'll just do it again. Unbelievable. Can you believe that? I'm sorry. And just keep going. And then I realized that my heavenly father has that same issue with me. That oftentimes, I'm sorry. And I go right back to it. So over these next 21 days, you say, I'm not just sorry, I'm repenting. And that is part of this fast. And then finally, what about begging God to intervene? Esther is another phenomenal leader. I encourage you to read some of these places in the Old Testament that we're just referencing. Read all of Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9. Maybe you want to read the book of Esther during this time that we fast. But Esther is the foreign queen, the Jewish queen of Persia. And yet in Esther chapter 4, she faces the fact that her people are trying to systematically be annihilated by an evil ruler in the kingdom. And you know what happens? In Esther chapter 4, verse 3, it says that as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. See the connection? They're lamenting. And then notice what happens in verse 16. And just to kind of, we're going quickly for the sake of time. But what happens in the midst of this is Esther is challenged. Hey, maybe you were put in your position to leverage your influence to help rescue your people. And yet she's faced with a dilemma. She cannot legally go see the king unless she's invited. So if she walks in to see the king to plead for her people, then she could be killed. There's one exception. It's very unlikely that the king would grant her that exception. But notice what Esther says in verse 16. She sends this reply to Mordecai and says, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me, a collective fast. Do I eat or drink for three days, night or day? My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. We see collective fasting as Esther and our people are desperate. God, would you please intervene? God, if you don't move, we're literally going to be wiped out. So what if over these next 21 days, we need to say, God, I need you. God, you do something. What if we, as part of fasting, we're begging God to help us? That desperation deep in our souls, what if we didn't just push it down and move on? What if we created space by saying, I'm going to abstain from this, as we replace it with the pursuit of God, we allow that desperation to rise from within our souls and to be expressed out of us. Would there not be a richness and deepness to our relationship with God if we're pleading with Him to move in certain situations in our lives? Fasting ups the intensity. And I just don't think there's a better way for us to start our year 
than 21 days of collectively, as a community, as a church, saying, Jesus, we want to up the intensity of our relationship with you. We want you at a deeper and richer level than we have ever experienced you before. And maybe one of these three resonated with you. Maybe for you it's lamenting. Maybe it's repenting. Maybe it's a situation where you just need to be begging God to intervene. Or maybe you're in the miscellaneous category. Either way, I want to make sure we're clear on this. Fasting is not some magical potion. It's not that if we will lament and repent and ask God to intervene, then everything's going to get better. No, 2020's taught us that too, that everything doesn't get better quickly or sometimes even at all. But you know what's going to happen? Our circumstances may not change, but we will change. As we allow God in on a deeper level than we've ever allowed Him in before, and as His Holy Spirit does work, that maybe in the past, distractions have prevented Him from being able to do. So let's go. 21 days of fasting. If you mess up, let's get back on the train. And let's see what Jesus could do both in and beyond us as we up the intensity in our relationship with God. And I hope that this becomes a practice of ours. I hope, and you know, the Holy Spirit can redirect us, that next year and the following year and the following year, that January 10th through 31st, that we'll be doing a 21-day collective fast. So we are laying a foundation this year, and I think the key foundation that Jesus wants us to lay, that it's so clear as we look at our rich history, is that there is a deepness that we often neglect because we're too busy, we're too distracted. So let's up the intensity and let's experience that deepness and that richness that Jesus wants us to have for the next 21 days together. And if you don't follow Jesus, Maybe you're a little bit confused. Some of this doesn't quite make sense. I want to invite you to surrender to Jesus for the first time, to repent for the first time. And I want to encourage you that you're not repenting out of strength. You're repenting out of weakness. You're not putting yourself together. You're repenting out of weakness. And you're repenting because Jesus is strong and He died for you and He rose again. And He wants to invite you to follow Him. And so if you have any questions about that, our team would love to talk with you. 423-665-9317. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. And if at any point in this 21-day journey, maybe you don't follow Jesus, but you go with us, and you're like, I need to surrender to Jesus, do so and tell us about it because we want to come alongside you. So I'm going to pray for us as we start this journey. Jesus, I pray that we would experience you on a deeper and richer level over the next 21 days. I pray that some of us would lament like we've never lamented before, that all of us would repent like we've never repented before. And I pray that we would be begging you to intervene, not just asking for help, but there would be a desperation that we access as we focus. And Jesus, I just ask that as we set aside this time, that you would change us at levels and in places that we've kept you out of would you change us and change the world through us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media platforms at A Public Church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. 
to give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting Public Church in all caps with no space to 77977. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.